Well, church, we've been in a summer series, as many of you know, called Miracles. And today is the finale. And I am so excited. Uh, and to kick it off, I'll tell you that a couple weeks ago, my family and I took a, a quick trip to meet other family members um, at, a, at a beach area in California just to have one more little hurrah before we really kick it in for the fall. And, and it was awesome. And one of the main, one of the funnest things I think we did at this, at this uh, getaway was we took a little tour uh, on the Pacific Ocean for two hours, two and a half hours, whale watching. So they go out there and they, you know, they try to find these blue whales and, and, uh, and see them. And it was really incredible. And it was fun, but Jody got, my wife Jody got kind of uptight. She's like, you're getting too risky. Like, you know, with the boat and the whales. And I said, Jody, what are you talking about? She said, you're just, you're just taking too many chances. I said, I said just, Jody, just take this picture, you know, while, and let, let me ask the church if you think I'm taking too many chances. So, I mean, this is a picture that we caught of me with the whales. And, it, I mean, I don't, I think, you know, that was pretty... Remember that one, Ava? Yeah, me neither. But anyway, so it was, we actually did see some blue whales. It was, it was actually phenomenal. But I bring it up because on Wednesday of that trip, you can take that down. On Wednesday of that trip, um, I told the kids, I said, gosh, right now back in Nebraska, they're getting ready for youth because youth happens on Wednesday nights. And uh, so Jake, my son, has a couple good friends that he's invited, and they come pretty consistently. And Jake said, Dad, he brought up their names. He said they're going to be at camp or they're going to be at youth tonight. And they've never gone to youth without Jake being there. And I said, Jake, that is awesome. Like, I, I said, that's leadership right there. I said, because when, when, some, when you can have somebody do something and you're not there for them to do it, that's good leadership. And then Jake informed me, he said, Dad, they're just going for the free food. And I'm just kidding. They, they, they were going for Jesus, but snacks help. And, uh, but it, that, that's, I, I say that because Jesus... And the 37 or so recorded miracles that he accomplished, he did way more than that, but that's what's written in, in the Gospels. Um, those weren't, the, they were the vast minority. I wrote it down. Most of the miracles that Jesus ever did, well, he never did. What I, what I mean by that is he wasn't there. He wasn't physically there. The vast majority of the miracles that have ever taken place, Jesus wasn't in the building. Isn't that crazy to think about? His power was there, but, but the miracles were accomplished by others. Why? Because God accomplishes his purposes through his people. That's what God does. I'm telling you, God doesn't just want to do miracles in your life. He wants to do miracles through your life. That's what God wants to do. That's what that's, he wants you to know that big time. Why? Because, again, he does his purposes through his people, his miracles through his people. And we learned last week, if you were here, we said the reason Jesus did any of his miracles were why? People. When Jesus called the disciples in Matthew, in fact, I'll give you the first words of Jesus to the disciples, and then I'll give you the last words of Jesus to the disciples, looking at the book of Matthew. You don't need to turn there. If you want to turn somewhere or click somewhere, click to Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, because that's what we're preaching out of mainly today. But, but listen to what Jesus says when he first calls the disciples. In Matthew 4, 19, Jesus calls out to them, come, say come. come. Yep, follow me. I'll show you how to fish for what? Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't say, hey, come, I'll show you how to heal. Come, I'll show you how to teach. Come, I'll show you how to make a crazy end table because I'm a carpenter. Come, I'll show you how to cast out demons. Mm -mm -mm. 
It was always about the people. Those were the first words to the disciples in Matthew. Let's see, let's fast forward three years and see if Jesus changed his position at all. These are the last words to the disciples in the book of Matthew. Jesus came and told the disciples now three plus years later, I have been given all authority on heaven and on earth. You, that should give you great peace hearing that. In a world that will tell you things that, I mean, shift you into fear and shift you into chaos and shift you into crazy, never forget who has all authority. I have been given all authority on heaven and earth, Jesus says. Therefore, go, say go. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples, which are people, teach these new people to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even though you can't physically see me. I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. His position does not change. His first words to the people, come and be with me. And then he says to the people, now go and be me. It's so amazing. Those were the last words in Matthew and in Mark. Um, but they weren't the very last words to the disciples as a whole. That, that came a little bit later, some days later, Jesus would give his final marching orders to the disciples, and that's in Acts. And this is what he says. Acts 1, verse 8, as he's on a mountain getting ready to what they call ascend, or just rise up, which you'll see. Disciples, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling who? People. Because it's always about the people. It always was. Telling people about me everywhere. Right here in Jerusalem and, and through Judea and as far as Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, Jesus is physically taken up into a cloud while they're watching. And they could no longer see him. And I always find this next part funny. They're straining to see him. Because, I mean, if you're hanging out with Jesus physically, you don't want him to go anywhere. He's Jesus. He's like, he's, he's like the guy who's got your back. You know, you're getting bullied. You're like pointing to Jesus. Take care of it. And now Jesus, I could just picture Peter looking up in there and, John, do you see him? No, man, I don't see him. Nathaniel, you see him? No, wait, no, nope, that's, nope, I don't see him. Thomas, you see him? Man, I, no, I doubt we'll ever see him again. So I mean, no one, no one can see Jesus. And finally, angels show up, standing among them, and they're like, hey, Men of Galilee, snap out of it. Why are you staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken, away, taken from you into heaven. But someday he'll return from heaven the same way you saw him go. It's crazy. The, the theme doesn't change. Jesus now is gone, and now the miracles really kick in. But don't forget what Jesus first said. He said first he says, come Come and, come and be with me. Come and believe in me. Come and receive my Holy Spirit power. And this is where a lot of people will stop. This is where many people, churchgoers, non -church, people that would say, I'm a believer in Jesus. Most people, you're not most people, Meadows Church, by the way. Most people will believe in Jesus. They will be with Jesus. And they will even, like, I want to receive them. I want you to save me, set me free. I, I, Holy Spirit, come into me. And then it stops. But that's not where Jesus stopped. That's just where it started. Remember, Jesus said, come. But what did he say next? Go. And this is where so many people miss it. 
Jesus says, come be with me, receive my Holy Spirit. Now go and be me to people that need me. I love that. Go and be me to people who need me. Because when Jesus called you, and when Jesus called me, and when Jesus saved you and Jesus saved me, he has somebody else in mind. Mm. See, it wasn't just about me, and it wasn't just about you. It wasn't just about you, Peter. Last week, if you're here, we talked a lot about Peter's life and how when he was called into ministry and how, how he changed his, his response to Jesus during these miracles. I want to park and look at the life of Jesus for a second because his life is a lot like yours, and it's a lot like mine. And if you don't see that now, I'm hoping in the next few moments we have together that you will. So, so Peter, looking at his life, well, let me, let me tell you what happened next. Jesus rises up. Beam me up, Jesus. He's gone. He says, remember what he said? He promised them, I'll send you my Holy Spirit. So the disciples are meeting for some days, and they're meeting and gathering and praying, and they don't know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes. And it was undeniable. They knew it was. I mean, the, the wind and, and, and just the, the, the rush of the Holy Spirit. It was so evident with these first early believers that it, not, not just like, it wasn't just emotional. It was, it was like physically affecting them. The Bible says they started even speaking in other languages, languages they didn't previously know. And some of the people in the crowd, it's kind of funny, some of the people like, that ain't, that ain't the Holy Spirit, they just drunk. And then Peter, eloquent Peter comes up, he's like, they're, they're not drunk, okay? It's much too early for that. In other words, Peter's like, if it was noon, it'd be a different story, but it was only 9 a.m. So Peter's like, they ain't drunk. And Peter takes over, and starts preaching the first really church message. The Bible does say in, the, in Acts, it says Peter preached for a really long time. Because that's what good pastors do. Just know that. So anyway, but Peter preached. And as he's preaching, 3,000 people are saved and set free. You think Peter had any idea. Holy Spirit comes, hits Peter and the others. Peter preaches. 3,000 people are saved and baptized. Boom. First mega church right there. As he's, again, that reminds you and reminds me, God accomplishes his purposes through his people. Through Peter, through you, through me, that's what he wants to do. But the main teaching is what happens next. And this is where we're going to park for a few minutes. We're going to go to Acts 3, and we'll start in the, I think it's the first, yeah, the first verse. And so, so Peter's preached the message. The, the church is booming in Jerusalem. And now, and they didn't, church wasn't just a once, one hour on a Sunday. Man, it was every day they were going to the temple and they were praying. So, so Peter and John are walking to the temple, and, and this is where we pick it up. Acts 3.1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a lame or paralyzed man from birth was carried in. Each day this guy is put beside the temple gate, the one called a beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When Peter and John were about to enter into the temple at 3 o'clock on this day, he asked them, the, the paralyzed guy asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter speaks up. He, Peter says, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some cash. And Peter says, I don't have any silver. We don't have any gold, but I'll give you what I have. He's talking about the gift that he's been given and others who are believers. I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nazareth. 
get up and walk. And then Peter bends down. Imagine the scene. Guy has never walked in his life. Peter bends down and takes the lame man by the right hand and helps him to his feet. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumps up, you would too, stood to his feet and began to walk. Then he went from walking, he went to leaping, he went to praising God. He goes into the temple with them. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. Do you see it? Jesus is gone physically. Nowhere to be found. But the miracles keep rolling in. This man's life is transformed forever. He goes from lame to walking. And now he's praising. This is what, this is what I want you to know. And he goes to following Jesus. Remember, he walked right into the temple with him. Here's what you need to know. If you're a Jesus follower, every Jesus follower, before they met Jesus, met another Jesus follower. Just think about it for a second. It's kind of frightening, but we're, many of us, we're, we're going to be the only Jesus anybody ever meets or sees. Every Jesus follower, before they met Jesus, met another Jesus follower. Make no mistake, God is going to put people in your path on purpose. That is what he will do. And most people, I'm just going to be honest, even me included many times, most people will miss the miracle or the opportunity of the miracle because we're not looking and we're not listening. How many people walk by that guy? He'd been paralyzed how long? Since birth. Just walking by. I, uh, after we were in California for some days, I had to go directly to Colorado for a church conference. Our, the churches in our district get together once a year and uh, learn together, encourage, all that kind of thing, love each other and help each other. And so I'm in Colorado Springs for just a, like two days max. And the first day, and I'm there with uh, Casey, uh, Pastor Casey used to be part of Meadows, but if you don't know this, we've already planted a church. We are a church planting church. Because, yeah, because God doesn't want to just do it through here. He wants to multiply, just like they did there. So we planted a church a year and a half ago in Bennington, Colorado. Or Colorado. Oh, anyway, we're going to plant in Colorado someday, but it's Bennington, Nebraska. And uh, so if you know people in that area, Crossover Church is uh, a church that Meadows has planted. And so Crossover is there, and Casey and the team, they're going to pick me up, and we're going to go to this conference, and they were late. So I finally, they finally picked me up, and I'm giving Casey, you know, a little bit of razzing him a little bit for being late. And then Mabry, who is their worship leader, Mabry says, you know what, Pastor Monty, we actually have a legit excuse. And I said, well, let's hear what it is. I'll tell you if it's legit or not. So, so. Mabry starts to explain when that morning before they picked me up, they went to go get coffee or whatever. And so they're going in, and Casey and Tim, Mabry's husband, going to pick up the coffee. And Mabry's in the car waiting in this parking lot, Colorado Springs. So all of a sudden, Mabry's in the passenger side just sitting, and she feels like she's here, and she feels a presence right here standing by her. All of a sudden, knock, knock, knock. This, this disheveled, like, young guy, maybe 19 or 20, knocks on the door of her window. Okay, now, for anybody alone in a car, that's kind of freaky. But, but Mabry opens the window a little bit just to be safe, and she says, hey, what's going on? And he asks her for money. He says, hey, I'm just wondering if you have anything that you could spare, whatever. And Mabry explains she didn't 
she didn't carry cash or anything, which that's a lot of people I think today, but she didn't have anything that she could give him. And he was very cordial, very nice. And as he walked away, she described how she kind of watched him in the rearview mirror and saw him getting like basically rejected, you know, by everybody and going from car to this car and walking away. And Casey and Tim get back in the car. Mabry shares the story of the guy and this is, this, is, this is about the looking and the listening part. Because 99 times out of 100, here's what happens. You get in the car, you talk about it. You might even pray. Oh, gosh, the guy, you know, let's, pray, let's pray for him. And then let's go to the conference. Got to pick Monty up. He's kind of a jerk. We don't want to make him mad. So whatever. So, but they don't do that. And the reason they were late is because they went and found the guy in the parking lot. And Tim uh, had $20. Tim writes the name of the church that we're going to for the conference, a, a Bible-believing, God-fearing church, finds the phone number, writes the phone number on there. They all get out, find the young man. Tim gives him $20 with the name of the church on it, tells him about the church and to contact them, and they, they lay hands on the guy and pray over him. See, this is, this is, we want that to be the norm, but many times it's not. So many times we'll, we'll, we'll drive away, right? And we might even say a prayer. But I'm telling you, God doesn't show us situations or make us aware of situations just so we can pray about them. Most of the time, God makes us aware of situations so we will do something about them. That is the church that I was so proud of them. I said, Casey, I'll, I'll let you, I'll give you a pass this time, but don't be late again. So, but it was so amazing. I, I just loved it. Because they didn't just give him cash, because that, you know, why feed somebody for a day when you can give them something spiritually? They help him in the moment, they help him eternally by pointing him to a Bible believing church, and then, they, and then they lay hands. I'm like, this is the church. I love that so much. So here's my question They were hope for that young man. Are we going to be that hope as a church? When God, when God put us on the map five plus years ago, he has called us to be this light in a dark place. And, and I wrote down, are we going to be that hope? Are we being that hope? Are we that? What if God is actually calling us to be just this radical church that, that is caring about the people maybe like him or people that you even know that maybe nobody else cares about and everybody else is shoved off to the side or, or written off? What if God is calling us to be this church that, that, that loves people right where they're at? despite where they've been, despite what they've done, despite how they look, regardless of how they dress, how they act, how they vote, dare I even say how they drive, you know who you are. <laughs> Will we be that church? Every Jesus follower, before they met Jesus, met another Jesus follower. I don't know how long, a month ago, four or five weeks ago, I'm standing out in the entry area. The nine o'clock service is just unfolding and getting out. And I see a gentleman walk out and he's just got tears welled up in his eyes. And I, I, I kind of follow him a little bit and I reach out and I say, hey, are you, is everything okay? You guys, he starts describing how him and his wife and his kids are I knew they were newer to the church. I knew they'd been coming for a month or two. And he describes how the message, the whole experience was hitting him that day. And their life is being, being changed big time. And, and God is drawing them. Now, they were invited by another couple who were part of the church 
who are being changed through the church, and they invited them. And now they're being changed through the church. I remember talking to him, and then his wife joined in, and they had two kids that are checked in, and they're just talking through how the church is, is just changing them. And, and they came because they were going through a very difficult time, and they were invited to come. And then, last week, I'm going through the Connect cards, and I'm looking at the, the, the first-time guests, and I see a couple that came last weekend, and it shows they were invited by that couple that I talked to a month ago. And, and one of the persons on the Connect card from last week that was invited by that couple from a month ago gave their life to Christ last weekend. I'm telling you, every Jesus follower before they met Jesus met another Jesus follower. And the longer that you're following Jesus, the more that the preaching becomes normal to you, the amazing worship team that writes their own music becomes normal to you, the more we can take it for granted. I, I, I have. The church I got saved at was incredible. And then I went to some other churches that maybe are more normal, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm grateful for my church, but sometimes we got to get away. What I'm saying is the longer you walk with Jesus, the, more, the less likely you are to share your faith, to invite, to tell somebody, because it's not white hot anymore. It was so white hot for John and Peter. They couldn't wait. Peter's like, oh my gosh, i got to preach to these people. Holy Spirit fire is hitting them. Oh my gosh, this, this guy, we walked by him thousands of times. But this time I see him differently because the Holy Spirit is in me and it's changing me. It, it, it's amazing what God will do. I, I, we have to be a church that's always going after the one. I haven't talked about the one for a while. The one is the person that you know and they most likely don't know Jesus. They don't have a church home. And every one of you know someone who's your one. You maybe have never thought about it. You maybe have never written it down or even put, thought about it. But I guarantee you think about it for more than two minutes. You have a one. You probably have multiple there's the ones you know, and then there's the ones that you'll hit throughout the day, like a guy in a parking lot that's asking for money. We have to be a church. Who's your one? Jesus, you know, the, you know the story, leaves the 99 for the one. I love that story. It's why the one is so valuable. It's so crucial. And it makes no sense from the worldly standpoint. Why would you care about them? Why would you give him money? Why would you invite them? Why do you care about your church? Why would you serve? Why do you give? Man, you give 10%? Are you insane? I just have the Holy Spirit in me, and I just know God's doing something in me. The one, here's what I know. It makes no sense to leave the 99 for the one until you're the one. See, there was a day I was the one. And maybe you were too. And someone came after you. Someone who would invite my wife to a church. And she would tell me about a church. And I would walk in. And I had no idea. Leaving the 99 makes zero sense for the one until you're the one. If you're a Jesus follower... And you know who you are. If you're a Jesus follower, it is because someone came after you. You were once lost, and now you are found. And found people find people. And as long as there is one lost person in our community, we will never stop reaching out with the love of Jesus. This is the church. This is us. Why do you think there are invite cards scattered on your chairs? You, don't, you have no idea what that will do. You have no idea what hangs in the balance. Peter didn't. Remember how the story began last week? Jesus rolls up, tells him, 
drop your net. It's empty anyway, Peter. You ain't that good of a fisherman. Drop your, drop your net. Leave everything you know. Oh, it's risky. Yeah, you better believe it is. Because you don't even barely know me. But do you trust me? Drop your net and follow me. Peter had no idea. None. The, 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 these scriptures weren't written yet. He couldn't say, oh gosh, I'm going to. No. Peter had no idea that that same Jesus that called him from the nets would say to him one day, you're, you're, you are the rock. And on people like you, on this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. You have no idea what hangs in the balance. Peter would have no idea that the Holy Spirit would hit like it hit. And he would start preaching and 3,000 would give their life to Christ. You have no idea what hangs in the balance. Peter had no idea that he'd walk along a path and a man lame since birth by the power flowing through Peter would rise up, stand up, and walk and praise and run into the temple. You have no idea what hangs in the balance. When God called you, he has somebody else in mind. Oh my gosh, the one. We get back to the roots of the church and how we went from a, a rented house in Papillion with five people meeting down there mixing up Kool-Aid to, anyway, we didn't do that. We just, we just shook it. It doesn't matter. So, but how we went from that to this, but yet God, is, God wants to do so much more. When I hear the stories of people's lives changing and they got invited by another Jesus follower or somebody else that's on fire, that's how it happens. By the way, people have no idea where to find hope. They don't know. Think about the man in the story. It is insane if you think about it. Do you remember what it said? It said every day, that paralyzed guy who could never walk all his life, every day, they, they put him by the same gate. Do you know what he asked for every day? Money. That's what he thought the answer was. That's, what, that's not uncommon. That is normal. He, and he, how many years later, he's a grown man, and he's been given money over the years. He's still laying on the side, begging. And, and, he, and he keeps asking for money. But most people would do the same thing. Come on, be honest, you're in church, okay? I mean, how many people, maybe, you don't have to raise your hand, I'm gonna make you do that, but a billion dollar Powerball? Come on, somebody. I mean, I bet somebody bought a ticket. I mean, I didn't. I bought like 40 tickets. But anyway, so no, I'm kidding. 70. No, I'm kidding. So, I mean, we get excited about stuff like that. But it's so, so I read an article. You know, somebody hit that big Powerball this week, and it was a sold, some ticket sold in L.A., unfortunately, not when I was there. But it doesn't matter. So here's the article I read. I want you to, read, I want you to hear this with me. The one winning ticket was sold in downtown L.A., for the $1.08 billion Powerball. This, this, this author says, if you think being a winner would solve all your problems like a lame man by the temple, you should probably think again. Looking back at past winners of Powerball or any large lottery, you would, you would, you would find very quickly, they're from lawsuits to demanding relatives to, to divorces, to robberies, to drug overdoses, to bankruptcies, and even murder. 
You should be great. God saved your life by not winning the Powerball. You can just know that. So even murder. He goes on to say, Americans are wealthier than we've ever been, certainly within the last 50 years, but we're not happier. For example, last year, this is what really got me. Last year, the suicide crisis lifeline answered nearly 5 million calls. Now, to give you context, the year earlier, yeah, the year earlier, they answered 2 million. So in the last year, it's more than double the number of crisis and hotline calls. Another recent study said 69%, 69% of Americans said they were going, that the country was in, in bad shape. You know, you think? Okay, so among the factors they cited are the economy, partisanship, political divides, violence, immigration, all the stuff that you hear about. Anxiety, finally, it says. Anxiety is the most common mental disorder in the U.S., the recent blog notes that experiences of high psychological distress are especially widespread among young adults. That's our primary audience at Meadows. This is a problem for the rest of us as well. 62% of respondents reported experiencing some degree of anxiety. And it's certainly in our young kids. Why do you think we invest so much? It's so crazy. We're more medicated than we've ever been. And I'm not anti-medication. I'm just, I'm just saying, look at the results of overall. We've never had more pharmaceutical companies. We've never had more medications and advancements in getting help for mental illness. Yet we're more mentally messed up than we've ever been. Like, the, the, it's not better. It, it's, it's gotten worse. It's so crazy. And, but, and the worst things get the more we need to remember and realize this fact. Jesus Christ is our only hope. Jesus Christ is the only one who can save you, rescue you, set you free, heal you, and make you new. He is it. But yet, let's get back to reality, because that is a very true thing. But the reality is this. If someone were to offer me a million dollars, I'm going to be honest, I'm taking it. And you probably are too. Let's play it out. I offer you a million. You don't have to answer out loud, but would you take it? Let me, let me, let me add to that. Because I'm just going to assume you say, yeah, I'd take it. Think about that. Money. Remember, money is the answer to a lot of people. I offer a million. You say, yeah, I'm up for that. And I say, oh, there's only one condition. What if I said the only condition is, I'll give you the million dollars, but you won't wake up tomorrow. Would you still take it? I'm going to venture to say most people wouldn't. Pause. Think about what we just said. We just admitted that the Lord giving me breath tomorrow morning and getting me out of bed, which will most likely happen, most likely, for everybody in the room and watching online, most likely. We just admitted that is more valuable than me handing you a million dollars today. 
understand what you've been given. The gift that you've been given and then know that when God gives it to you, it's never just about you. We are a church that can't just come and see and sit. We must be a church that, that, that goes and makes and reaches. Don't believe the lie that the world feeds you day in and day out. God is your greatest gift, his son Christ, and he offers it to you. But yet, yet we know this, and maybe you don't, I'll tell you. There will be a day you, you won't wake up. This is why, this is why being a Jesus follower is real valuable. Because the Holy Spirit is real. You won't live your God-given purpose without it. Next week, you guys, if there's ever a series that I am pouring everything into, it is a series that starts next week. It's called A Formula for Life Change. See, everybody wants to change life. Few people will ever live it. Everybody wants to talk about resolutions and this and that. I can't with this day or that day. It'll never happen for most people. You're not most people. There is a formula there is a formula for true, authentic life change. And it's going to take four or five weeks to unpack it for you. But I'm telling you, I'll give you a hint right now. Without the Holy Spirit, you're dead in the water. You're dead in the water. You will die someday. You won't wake up. And without the Holy Spirit, you go to a place called hell that I know we don't want to talk about it, but it's about as real as you sitting here. And you're separated from God forever. See, good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. People with the Holy Spirit in them go to heaven. That's who goes to heaven. Well, how do I get the Holy Spirit? Oh my gosh, thank you for asking. Believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Repent, ask for forgiveness, turn a different direction, and truly want to live for him. He says, I'll forgive you and I'll make you new. That's what it takes. Some of you, that is why you're here, is to surrender everything to him. Drop your nets, pick up his net, and start following him. He'll change your life. He'll change your life. The reason you'll know, I mean, now that I'll save that. I'll just tell you, the formula for life change is starting next week. It starts today. The Holy Spirit, everything changed for the disciples when the Holy Spirit was sent. All of a sudden, Peter has the power to raise, raise a guy who's, who's lame. That wasn't Peter, it was Christ. But without Peter, it's not happening. God wants to accomplish his purposes through you. And one of the greatest purposes is you reaching out and, and inviting and loving, sharing, listening. We have to be a church that never stops reaching out to the one. So, number one, surrender everything to Christ right now. Give him everything you are. Call on his name. Ask him to save you and set you free. And, and, and the word of God says, he'll, he'll fill you with his Holy Spirit, and you're saved. And when you do die, it won't be that big of a deal. In fact, you won't even be freaked out by it because your life isn't just start or ending. It's starting. This red little tape, that's your life. That's eternity. And it's never ending. I'm going to pray for you. And as we worship, 
through a song called Reckless Love, talking about Jesus leaving the 99 and going after you. And if you're reached and you have Christ in you, you're supposed to be that for somebody else. We can talk about it on a Sunday and be all inspired, but my question is, are we going to be like they were that day in a parking lot in Colorado Springs and take the time to be inconvenienced to go after one? The purpose isn't just to get them to church. The purpose is to get them to Christ. That's the purpose. Father, wow, Peter is quite the example. He had no idea when you told him to leave everything lucrative, his business, his money, his family, that doesn't make any sense. Yet Peter was lost. He would, he, would, he would take you up on your offer, Father, and he would follow Jesus, and he would mess it up a lot of the time, but Jesus never gave up on him. And then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, starts to change the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's good news. Father, today at Meadows Church, we get back to the reason we started in the first place. I don't want to, I shouldn't say get back. We've never gotten away from it, God. This is just a, a reminder of, of what we're called to do. That we're called, someone came after us, and now we're to go after others. Nothing in this world matters besides knowing you, loving you, living it for you, and then dying and spending forever with you. But the world's going to lie as soon as we walk out, as soon as we click off, as soon as we log out. The world will tell us lies. It's money. It's career. It's, it's all these things that are so temporal. But we just did an exercise. And we're going we're gonna to dispel the lie. We're going we're gonna to shed light on it. A million dollars is worthless if we don't wake up tomorrow. And I don't know if I'll wake up tomorrow, and neither does anybody else. But I sure hope we get one more shot because with one more shot, we can change a life. How to change someone's life? Reach out in love. Listen to them, invite them, and watch what the Holy Spirit does. Father, for the people that have to surrender you, to you today and sell out to you, God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, they do exactly what you're telling them to do. You are, you are a God who saves and sets people free. And in you, God, the best is yet to come. We love you. We thank you for your word and your truth, for your son and his sacrifice, that he was dead, but he is no longer dead. He is alive. And because of that, we shout and give you praise like a paralyzed man that was, well, that was lame all his life and now can jump, run, skip, and praise. God, may we never lose that excitement for who you are and what you want to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name I pray, and the church says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. Like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend or somebody that you know. So many people out there need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring that to them. Finally, if you're in the Omaha area, we would love to have you join us. We would love to meet you. God bless you.